there is a global pandemic underway, but we still need to recruit and we still need to interview staff. So in this episode of EGP Learning, we'll be looking at some tips to help you guys um, interview effectively during a pandemic. So without further ado, let's get underway and take enhance your primary care and learning. Welcome, Gandhi, to another episode of EGP Learning. How are you doing over there? I'm doing quite well, Andy. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. So I know um, this pandemic's been going on for quite a while now. Um, we're about a year into um, restrictions to how we move and how we interact with other people. And um, there are certain things which um, we still need to do as businesses and as organisations, um, such as replenish and expand our workforce. We still need to... Um, interview people we still need to bring people into our organizations so uh, this is something which can be a challenge during the pandemic when it's you know a little bit more harder and riskier to to see people face to face um is this something that you've been engaging with as a pcn or a practice absolutely so from a pcn perspective we've had to do several interviews for various different roles there's been pcn staff network managers that kind of thing so this is something we've done a few times um and yeah it, it, it's gone from being really clunky to super slick. And we're going to show you yes. how to do that. Yeah, I mean, I know we've, we've, we've still been doing things in quite a traditional model, but I know that you've been a little bit more experimental over there in, uh, in PCN6 in Nottingham. So I'm really keen to hear about some of the, um, the, the tools and kind of new approaches that you've been deploying. And actually, you've done all sorts of innovative stuff. We could almost do a series on this topic, but there was one element that um, I thought was, was really good and a good place to start when talking about doing these things effectively or even more effectively than when we used to do things um, using pen and, and, and paper and our traditional methods. So um, what, what's your kind of significant innovation that you've come up with to help with these remote interview processes, Gandhi? So I guess it's probably better understanding how we started. So like you said, pre-COVID, we used to do lots of face-to-face -face interviews, bringing people down, preferably because then you get more of a feel of a person and then having a structured kind of interview with questions and marking forms and that kind of stuff. Because from the HR perspective, that's probably a really good way of doing it. You've then got evidence and you've got the information to confirm the different scorings if you're doing that kind of thing, as well as evaluating answers and that kind of stuff. However, obviously, COVID made that really more challenging because we're trying to comply with social distancing not having too many people in the room as well as you know um, isolation and shielding and all the other kind of things that had to be a factor in some of this so we moved to remote interviewing and remote interviewing is fine you know more and more people have become happier doing you know things over zoom or teams or whatever but then the evaluation process was still really clunky so we were having to email out paper forms to people asking them to print it off write on them and then collating all that information understanding what that looked like sending it back for the audit trail and, and it just didn't seem to work really well so as a result of that i came up with a slightly different way of doing things that just basically um, collaborates really easily and automates it and more importantly just makes it flow so easily and we're going to show you the pros and, and, and the cons of that particular system and it's so easy to do that you can you can do it yourself. You don't need any software or expensive software or anything. And you don't need uh, significant skills either. This is dead easy to do. Um, yeah. This, oh, I was just Gandhi. I think this is this is great. And I was just going to um, just you just brought a few things home to me about interviewing as a primary care network as well, which is which is different to interviewing as a practice and why that process 
was already quite difficult. And that is when you interview as a practice, generally your practice team is operating from that building. So those people who are going to be present for the interview are already in the same place. So it's, it's a lot easier to do that in the traditional sense. And then at the end, when you've all filled in your scoring forms for the candidates, um, those can all just be put in a neatly in a pile and um, you know kept for if they're needed in the future after you've finished processing them. But for a primary care network, often the people work in different practices. Sometimes you might be interviewing for posts which span several primary care networks. So you might even have people from other primary care networks on the call as well. Everyone's doing an evaluation somewhere else. Gosh, um, you've just made me realize how much of a nightmare that that that, that process could be. Um, so you just really brought that home to me. Um, so I'm right, really interested to learn about this tool. Walk walk us through it. Okay. So in terms of uh, the tool itself, is just simply a Google form. Okay. It's about capturing and, and you know recording all the information that you would ask within a survey um, through simply a form process. But the innovation of it is the way that you share that and the, what that allows you to do. So for this demonstration, we're going to use Google Forms because that's what I've used. Um, there are definitely other options, things like SurveyMonkey, um, Forms on Microsoft and that kind of stuff. They can work really well. I've actually done the SurveyMonkey one more recently for the network manager interviews that we've been doing. Um, and, and that works really well as well. So it, it, the tool itself doesn't matter. It's the structure that's the key thing. So if we bring it up on screen, um, let's have a little look. Uh, oops, just got to get my mouse working. There we go. So this was the form that we used. And a couple of things you need to know about this process, first of all. So number one, you need one form per candidate. OK, this allows you to capture the information really easily. And what you then do is you send a link for that form to everybody that's doing the interview before the meeting. OK, that's good. So we have duplicate versions of the same form yeah. for each candidate. Just yeah. being clear about that. Yeah. So once you've got the form created, the questions that you want, and we'll show you how to explain how you do that questions in a second. But then you just duplicate it and then you just put candidate one, candidate two, candidate three on each of the forms. And that's really important. So you don't complicate the results that you get afterwards. Um, and then, yeah, just make it clear on the, on the top what the form is for. So we've created a dummy one here for you. So remote interview. Um, and then the first thing I always ask is what's the name of the person that's filling in the form itself? So if I was an interviewer, I would put my name there. And then obviously, Andy, if you were also interviewing, you would put your name in, you know, that kind of stuff. So just so you, you've got a record of who's completed which form, if you need to go into it in more detail to understand the, the stuff. So like Andy's doing that. So then the next question is the identifier for the candidate. Now, although you've got one form per candidate and you technically shouldn't need this, I put this in just as a double check to make sure that you're filling in the right form for the right candidate at the time. So, you, you know, you've got that clear. Um, and that identifier could be that, that person's name. That's the obvious one. I know some places don't like to use names for HR processes and stuff and may use a candidate application number or, or some other kind of identifier, but whatever that is. OK. And then simply you have the questions from there on. Um, and the key point of the questions is that we used um, kind of like an MCQ ranking system. So you have the question and then the total marks out of whatever. So most people go for things like five, seven, ten that, you know, or you could have good, very good, poor, whatever kind of system you use. I prefer numbers and I'll explain why. Um, but I think that works quite well. And then after every single question, you just have a short answer 
box to put comments in about that particular question itself. So the way that they've answered. So I believe that one's about having a difficult situation and how they've handled it. So you give them a mark for the answer that they've given. And then you write in a couple of comments if it's applicable, you know, why you gave that particular score, justifying it or, you know, did they say something that stood out or did they say something that, ooh, you know, um, that didn't sound so great. Just so that you've got that memory when you come to the discussion aspect of it. And then you do the same for all the subsequent questions. I think it's important not to have too many questions. Obviously, it depends on how long you're planning this interview to be, you know, what kind of depth of the character, the individual you want to go into. Have you given them stuff like a presentation? Do you need to break that down in terms of the, the questions? You could even do stuff like matrices, but I wouldn't recommend it. I'd, I'd recommend having a simple question and a simple answer, and you'll see why in a second. And then the last thing is just an, an overall comments box, which I would always recommend. Um, if you're doing this over multiple days, it's worth having a date box, I think, just so that, again, it helps you to identify the differences. So if you've got particular interviews that make for one date and different interviews that make for another, that can help to capture that information, standardization, that kind of stuff. And then you submit. All right, okay, so I've been going along, doing some, um, making some entries. And so I suppose this is something that um, all of the interviewers would have open. They'd have their Zoom or their Teams window open mm -hmm. um, as they're doing the live video um, interview. And then in a separate tab or on a separate screen, if that's available, uh, they can be filling in the feedback form, just like they'd have it in pen and paper if they were in person. Um, so Absolutely. And a couple of things I'd say about that. So there are a couple of enhancements and comments I would make on what, how you do that as well. So number one, I'll probably suggest to the candidate that you're doing this at the same time. And the reason for saying that is so then they're not worried about why is the person not looking at me when I'm answering the question. Um, an easy way of doing this is taking it in turns through the interviewers to ask the question if you've got multiple interviewers. So then you can say, well, you know, um, uh, you know, so for example, I'm gonna ask the question um, and he's gonna be filling in the answers uh, from his point of view as we go along and then we'll swap over. Um, but the key thing is everybody answers each question. So you do have to balance that. The second enhancement is whether you also put the questions on a PowerPoint style presentation and screen share that during the interview so the candidate's got the questions clear in front of them. Now, some people have different views on whether you should do that. Some people feel that's helping them too much because they've got the question to refer back to. Having said that, it's important to remember through remote interfaces, sometimes the audio may not be great and the person may not hear the question properly or and obviously can complicate it. So having the questions in a visual format as well Personally, I think that improves accessibility and it helps to you know, tackle some elements of, you know, if people have hearing impairments, you know, it, it just improves the quality, I think. So that can work quite well. But the downside to that is obviously most people end up being smaller on, on the remote sharing and, and the Zoom interfaces or if that's what you're using. But there are ways around that as well. If you yeah, it. That's, that's true, Gandhi. And I suppose there are some questions that you might actually function better if you can show the person some visual information, if you're asking them to interpret some data, for example, uh, or perhaps a clinical scenario where people always ask you to repeat the question because that happens an awful lot when, when I've been doing live interviews face to face, um, you know, actually having it written down, that, that, that might be better for those sorts of questions. So that's a really good point. So we've completed the interview um, and, you know, we thank the candidate for their time. We've given them the opportunity to ask their questions, etc. Um, and now we're looking at the review, the evaluation. And, and the reason why I like this is this gives you that constructive and that objective view of the answers that people have given, because it gives you the score 
um, as well as the commentary that people have done throughout the process. And this is really effective, particularly if you're doing interviews over multiple days, because you forget who you've interviewed or if there's been a time frame in between that. So recently we had a set of interviews where there was a week in between the two sets of interviews that we did. Um, and, you know, I wasn't sure where a particular candidate ranked compared to some of the others. And we had this to fall back onto as a way of comparing the candidates that we had. And therefore, it meant that we could have a more accurate information and, and you know, you take out some of that subjective memory element of it as well. And as you can see, it gives you the results there. So, you know, for that first question, we've got uh, can't quite see the results because I know you've just filled them in, Andy. But is it three fours and a five? Uh, yeah, so it's three fours and a five. Yeah, that's right. So that candidate's um, strong in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got the comments underneath to give you some context. Um, in that particular view, it doesn't say who gave what comment. So that can help with the whole, um, you know, balancing aspects of it and, and things. And then the question below, a bit more of a diverse answer. Um, so three different scores, I'm guessing three, four, four. Five, two, three, five, two, three, four, uh, four, four, three, and one. So one, one, one of the interviewers didn't like the. Um, there's an outlier in one of the interviewers there. It's most interesting, you know, that you can, you know, yeah. spot and be aware of that as well. Uh, and then you've got further comments and questions below. And then the the way you can do this, you can either, you know, use all the um, scores in total, so you get a mark out of, you know. Uh, what would it be 30 for this particular questionnaire because you've got three people filling it in with a total score of 10 or you can do the averages per question um, you know you can use you know, analytical forms then give you graphs about which particular candidates are strong in one area that kind of stuff you can do so much more innovative stuff, things we've kept this really short just for demonstration purposes you can obviously make this as complicated and elaborate as you want but by having that information it's, it's just available to you it's easy to access it's easy to share and you don't have to worry about sending stuff back evaluating it afterwards you've got the information in database format as well so you can like i say use extrapolation information to make it more sensible and it's just easy really easy to do it's great and, and candidates sometimes you know ask for um feedback um about how they've performed and provided i suppose the interview panel are aware that what they write might subsequently be uh, visible to the candidates in the form of feedback or somebody kind of checks and removes things that might be uh, that might cause harm or offense um, after the fact um, you know it makes it a lot easier to respond to those requests for feedback candidates do yeah. often ask for that so that's a really nice function Gandhi, i've got a question is Oh. Well, I think this is a nice way of facilitating that, like you say, Andy, because you've got the actual live comments made by the people that are doing the interview. So then the person who's giving that feedback can refer back to that easily. I probably wouldn't suggest sharing the results because I think that, you know, in totality, um, I don't know, there's probably HR people out there that tell me you could do that or not. But I think you've got the, you've got the quantitative information there, haven't you, to share easily. So you could say these were some of the comments made about your interview process. This is what we thought. Here's feedback for improvement. And again, I've, I've done that with um, one of the interviewees. I felt they were very strong in particular areas and I gave comments as to why I felt they were good in that particular thing, but also why I felt they weren't successful for the particular interview afterwards because I could reflect back on those comments afterwards. I was going to ask Andy, is, is there a way for um, Google Forms to sort of tot up all of the totals live or is that a sort of development area for, for Google in, the, in this process? 
I think there might, might be a way. Um, Google Forms, we've not done a huge amount of time investment to see how it puts the data out. I know that when we used um, uh, SurveyMonkey as well, um, so we calculated the averages because we found that a quicker process of doing it rather than going into the depths of it. But the whole point is you've got the data, haven't you? You can stick that into a CSV spreadsheet and then stick into Excel or, or you know, Sheets or whatever and then manipulate that data to give you the information as quickly or how effectively you want, depending on obviously how much of this you're doing. If you're doing this on a regular daily basis, I would highly recommend, yeah, then being able to put that into something that's more meaningful. Yeah, and just it looks like it's fairly easy to export um, to a to a spreadsheet, and then you know, do calculations around those um, mm-hmm. those ones. It would be very easy to to do the average for each question and top them up. So uh, I think for whoever's collating it, um, you know, the Google uh, Drive forms and, and and Sheets platform looks like it makes it pretty easy for that person to to do those functions. So that looks great mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Andy? I think this is really good. Um, I think people are much more used to, so I think this is good for remote interviews. I think it's excellent, um, particularly where you have a dispersed organization like a PCN, where those people who are conducting the interview won't even be in the same place as well. Mm. I think this is amazing, actually, for that function. I think this is really, really good. Um, and I'm even thinking, you know, even when people are in the same, um, the same building or the same room, um, you know, everyone's used to having a mobile device or, you know, a laptop or, or iPad with them, you know, actually collecting the information in this way might have so much advantage over using paper that um, even when we're in the same room conducting an interview with somebody who is also in the same room in the future, we might want to collect and collate our feedback in this way going forward. So I think this is really, really good. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, as we move hopefully out of the pandemic restrictions in terms of isolation and things it's important to remember we may also move towards hybrid interviewing so you have both people in room and outside of the room so this allows that to work a lot more effectively because you can still set that up easily but the mechanism by collating that information you know getting the the evaluation and stuff is still the same and like i said it's pretty simple to do it just replaces paper and it means you've got a you know a live way of comparing that information as well so you can make quick and effective decisions i mean when we did this recently we evaluated five candidates over two days um, sets of interviews and when it came to deciding which were the strongest ones although we had our impressions like i said there were a couple of candidates really close and as a result of that we were able to uh, figure out which were the strongest within literally about five minutes or so um, and we had objective information to help us make that decision mm. Fantastic. So, yeah, so this is a great tip. Um, I mean, hopefully we might be able to um, to come up with some more tips around um, interviewing during the pandemic and perhaps even some more um, other business functions that have been disrupted um, You know, have a look at how we can use technology to to improve those as well. Um, I found it really, really informative and I'm definitely going to use this um, in the future. Absolutely. Fantastic. Cool. Glad to be of help. And again, if anybody's got any comments or questions about the way we've done this and stuff, feel free to contact us. Definitely stick a comment down below. And if you have found this video useful, leave us a like to let us know you like this content so we can create more of it for you as well. As always, EGP Learners, feel free to contact us for any other kind of stuff. Definitely subscribe if you found this useful content. And as always, EGP Learning is here to help save you and your patients' time by taking and seeing primary care and learning. Catch you in the next episode.